0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with Elizabeth Barre about recognizing, setting, and maintaining boundaries with toxic individuals and yourself. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everybody. With me today, we have Elizabeth Barre. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you, Brandon?
0: I am doing well. And for those that don't know, you've been on our show before a few times, I think, two or three times. I can't remember now. But I've known you now for two years, I think, two years.
1: Yeah, yeah, 2 years at least. Yep.
0: You were an early backer of our show, so I cannot thank you enough. And for those that don't know, you are a somatic and body-oriented coach for toxic relationship recovery. And today, we're going to talk about boundaries. You've dealt with it in in your practice with people. I deal with it in in my life and, you know, everyone thinks of boundaries in the sense of toxic people and, and keeping boundaries there, but I'm a codependent person, and when you're a codependent person, you also have issues with boundaries as far as encroaching on other people's boundaries. Being a codependent person is a toxic behavior as well. Not too many people who are codependent might think of it in, in that way, but it is not a healthy thing thing to be codependent so it is a toxic thing so we're going to talk about it as far as in relation to other people encroaching on us and as well as uh us encroaching on on other people absolutely yeah because that's the healthiest way to do it and we're going to get into maybe some of my stuff some of your stuff (laughs) and so at first so what are boundaries so give us what a boundary is
1: Yeah, so we talked about boundaries are that which gives us a sense of agency over your physical space, your body, your feelings. It's these lines that we construct to separate us from others. And it's a way of just having ownership of our feelings, our needs, and defining our actual responsibilities in relationship. They also tell people how that uh, they can treat us you know, what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. And they just provide healthy bounds for relating.
0: So boundaries are rules, healthy rules. And right. boundaries can be about your personal space. Boundaries can be about sexuality, emotions, thoughts, stuff, possessions, time, energy, energy. Culture, religion, ethics, and they can help you navigate relationships. They can help you navigate your uh, intimate relationships, family relationships, friend relationships, professional relationships. Not everyone knows that Elizabeth calls me way too much, and I have <laughs> to set a boundary.
1: <laughs> absolutely yes. and you know in in my coaching practice obviously this comes up a lot we really work with sensing into our boundaries by having awareness of our our body sensations and awareness of our actual emotions um and and i have a couple of points that i kind of touch on in my practice which is importantly we have to discern the difference between boundaries and preferences, because preferences are actually negotiable, but boundaries are really not. Like, boundaries are actually linked to our core values, and that's how you can tell the difference if, if you're wondering about that. And as codependent people, I think that we can have that a little bit confused. And then the other point is that boundaries, boundary violations can be sort of incoming violations, but they can also be outgoing violations and relationships. So incoming boundary violations are when people don't respect our our time or our limits, the limits that we've defined for them. And outgoing boundary violations look like things like abandonment and, uh, and, and deceitfulness and hiding things. So a couple of, you know, uh, good points to remember when thinking about what boundaries actually are, what they look like, what they feel like.
0: So when it comes to setting boundaries, some people are good at it. Some people are bad at it. So let's kind of just go into uh, how boundaries are shaped or what shapes boundaries. And then what prevents us from setting boundaries for those of us that are not good at it, especially when we're dealing with toxic people
1: yeah, so like the first part is is kind of like about our our development and our family dynamic, and also to a greater extent our culture. This is all what shapes our ability to define our boundaries and to actually uphold the boundaries. So obviously, our family system uh, will affect that a lot. If we're codependent, we probably grew up in a family system that uh, required us to become smaller uh required us to sort of sense the states of others in order to protect ourselves. And so upholding your boundaries in that kind of a family system is not really going to be possible. You're probably going to be really, really punished and you're going to be um, conditioned out of out of feeling some of those boundaries in order to survive in this family system. So that is one reason why you might struggle to set boundaries if you're from this kind of family environment. And then also there's cultural environments that factor into this as well. Some cultures just have very rigid rules and expectations of certain types of relationships. And so for you to actually have certain boundaries that are more about you as an individual is going to be really, really difficult within that cultural system.
0: So what prevents someone from setting boundaries? Tell us.
1: Yeah. So there's a few factors. Fear can really hold us back. Like if we're used to to something being a certain way, or we know we can depend on getting what we want out of a certain behavior pattern, we like that predictability. So it's scary to actually do something different. And then also we might not even necessarily be totally 100% on board with the idea that we have to set boundaries that would necessarily be good for us. Like maybe we fear that uh, we'll lose something out of it. And this can kind of create an ambivalence towards actually making our boundaries healthier. Or you actually might not know how, like kind of going back to this family of origin and this enculturation issue, you, you literally may not have ever learned how, or you may not have ever learned that this was okay. if You grew up in a certain type of family another uh, important aspect to consider is your self esteem or your self worth so maybe you feel like the only pe- the, the only way that people will actually value you or stay in relationship with you is if you have very low boundary setting or maybe no boundaries at all and that's people pleasing right that comes from a feeling of of being unworthy or unlovable therefore you'll always try to be putting other people's needs before your own. And often if you're in that kind of a pattern, you don't even really know what self respect looks like. And so you don't know how to kind of create that for yourself in your relationships.
0: And for those that are in toxic relationships or abusive relationships in the domestic violence uh, aspect of things, you might have one of these issues, but a lot of you will have All of these things. And when we talk about fear, obligation, and guilt, fear being the biggest one on this list, fear can be so many different things. And fear can be rage, fear of the rage, fear of physical abuse, fear of financial abuse, fear of your children being taken away from you. There's threats. All of these different things can be uh, in the fear process aspect of things and your boundaries go out of the window because you're just trying to really survive and, and figure out your way through things. Um, And then when it comes to fear as well as a codependent person in the opposite part of the equation, people pleasing is uh, a big thing. And sometimes you overdo things as a, um, a codependent person. And that might, you know, you're over helping, you're doing it without people asking, you're kind yep. of, and, and that's a boundary. The other person might not realize that that's a boundary. They're like, Oh, this person really, whatever. But a codependent person, when they do so much for other people, they start to get resentful in, in their mind, thinking that they are Um, doing things and they want it to be reciprocated and they don't understand why it's not being reciprocated because, well, most people don't function that way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, really?
0: (laughs) So, you know, you're overstepping a boundary. You don't realize you're doing, you have to rein yourself back in over that line. And there's, there's just, you have to kind of draw an imaginary line in the sense of that's that person's house. This is my house. This is the property line right here. Stay on your property line. You go over that property line, that's a boundary. And for some people, they might not even notice that you're crossing over that boundary when it's in that codependent situation, but you are, and that will actually in the long run hinder your relationship. So I, got off, I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it's important for people to know that. You know, we are doing a show about abuse and we are doing a show about, about boundaries but a lot of times when we're people pleasers boundaries uh, can go or codependence uh, it's a two-way street sometimes and there is a responsibility you have to take about yours or at least in the aftermath of things to inspect uh, your behavior and be like well that got me into a little bit of trouble there and to kind of reel yourself back in so I did, in my mind it was important to, to mention
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's so much around this fear and this people pleasing as well, because, you know, narcissist apocalypse, this show deals with this so much. The fact that those blocks are there actually means that uh, real abusers, like real predators have something to latch onto and they can kind of like kind of scare you out of your boundaries, right? Like they can, the common manipulations with narcissistic abusers, When you might be trying your best to have a boundary, but you have this fear and these people-pleasing tendencies, they might tell you you're being too argumentative or you're being difficult or you're too emotionally needy, right? And then this just terrifies you into collapsing and being like, oh, you know what? I don't actually have that that boundary. That's fine.
0: And that's why codependent people are easy prey in these situations.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I have lived that for sure.
0: So why do we need boundaries and what are the benefits?
1: Yeah, so there's a bunch. So I actually wrote a a social media post about this recently, and that post was about how if we don't have healthy boundaries, we're actually not letting people have the chance to love us authentically, and I, I felt that that was, that that was just something really important to, to mention. But boundaries, they kind of they're there to allow us to live in our true selves, and they are a form of self care. They help to manage people's expectations of us, and they actually create more safety in relationships. So when we're in a healthy relationship and we know that our partner has good boundaries, you know, and that they will show up for those boundaries and they'll embody them that actually has the effect of making us feel safer with them, even if we don't like what they're saying. Right. And then we feel safe to either have our own boundaries and do the same or to cut, to come closer in healthy ways. So this is, this is why this work is actually so important. And even though, it's not exactly pleasant if you're not terribly used to it with some practice it actually does become easier over time because you'll start to live those benefits and you'll start to feel better. It also means that you're showing up for yourselves and that you value your feelings. And it's also not taking responsibility for the feelings or behaviors of others, which frees up a lot of your own sort of spiritual and emotional energy to live your, to live your life and to live your truth. So when we're doing this we're not worrying about others overly much and we're not we're not mistaking ways that we are accountable we're actually very clear on what we are we are responsible for and what someone else is responsible for.
0: So something you said there is really interesting to me which was about ener- which is about energy. Because When you don't have boundaries and you're in a relationship um, and you're on the codependent side of things, let's say, and you are, as Brene Brown likes to say, a storyteller to to yourself, within that storytelling – you can make insinuations in your head you're thinking way too much you're doing all of these things you're not even creating a boundary within yourself like the other person might have not have any clue of what's going on and you're creating this story in your head that doesn't exist you're making a mountain out of a molehill this could be at work this could be with your friends this could be this this could be that and all of a sudden your energy is wiped
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, in in my coaching practice, I I feel like I actually uh, work with this in a pretty direct way where we actually can skip story, we can focus on state. And that usually looks like feeling into the sensations in our body, and then being able to identify our emotional states. This allows us to kind of have a little bit of space. And hopefully with practice, more and more space to be able to access awareness of how we feel at any given moment. So when we're codependent, we often have basically shrunk our self system down as a result of complex trauma or conditioning or whatever it is that we've kind of blocked our access to this type of self-awareness and we need to like stretch out and kind of build those muscles of getting this awareness back. And with some practice, actually, you can do that. Um, and that's when actually your boundaries become clear to you because you can feel in your body, like this deep, deep sacral sense, you know, like this, like in human design, we, we talk about, uh, like this, this feeling of a, a sacral, like, uh, uh-uh uh or uh-huh. And to me, that's like, that's where your boundary is. If you can literally, you consider an option or you're negotiating something in a relationship uh, or you're you're just interpersonally relating. You just drop into this feeling of whether that's an absolute uh huh or that's an absolute uh uh-uh uh, and and there it is. And it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. But in order to be able to trust that, we actually have to heal ourselves in terms of our self love and our self trust.
0: And with you as a somatic coach and someone who's body oriented and you discuss their space. Space is an interesting, you said space, correct? Right, right. Space is, is an interesting word because when you have boundaries, you're on your side of the fence. That's how I always like to, as I explained before. And when you are... In that mode with boundaries, it might feel to a lot of people that they have space now within their own body, or Mm -hmm. at least they're able to cycle through things and understand their uh, feelings a little bit more, that clarity actually happens, that you're able to see or feel more clearly and... Feel that within your body in in, in what you do. So when you help people with boundaries within the body uh, to grow that space, because these are the moments where people can grow from because there's actual light that's coming in. What's like an exercise that you do with people uh, Mm -hmm. to feel that light? and feel like they're growing with the space that Boundaries gives them?
1: Hmm, That's a good question. I can tell you what I do to help people access okay. what's there, right? Somatic work essentially is a series of experimentations that can be very playful, or they can be sort of mindful and introspective, and they're body-oriented. So it works with awareness. The main practice that I do is just called focusing. And that is kind of uh, an in-depth body scan that I'll bring people through where we go from the bottom of the body to the top and the top to the bottom. And we go from the exterior down to the interior and we just drop in and feel what it's like to be there right now. And the first gateway to somatic awareness is going to be through sensation. And so that's language like cold or hot, it's tingling, it can be pain, it can be tension, things like that. And then from there, we gather all kinds of information about where your awareness wants to go in sensation, whether you're getting other information about sensation, colors, textures, uh, animals, you know, where are you all of a sudden? Are you in a field? Are you, are you in a white room? Like all, all kinds of things can happen. All kinds of information can, can start to unfold. And then from there, we also explore the emotional states that are coming, coming up. And we can also bring in, we can start to weave in things like intentions and, uh, and statements about what we'd like to move through, like what kinds of problems we'd like to solve. We can just kind of see what happens and so we talk about creating space within the nervous system. This is this is the way in somatic in in my somatic practice that we can start to widen these windows, right, of experiencing ourselves and knowing sort of what has us stuck and what information the body wants to give us about that, and understanding how we can resource ourselves through the body uh, to be able to move through some of these things in
0: the session and then outside the session. So we now kind of have a basis of boundaries, what boundaries are, how they make us feel, uh, benefits in, in those things. So let's now kind of focus on what are some boundary red flags of other people or maybe ourselves as far as toxic uh, being a toxic behavior, uh, so they can recognize it in all different types of uh, situations.
1: Sure. And now, I, I do love that we made a note earlier about TMI, so like too much information. So a lot of times, and especially like with codependence, and I, I feel myself doing this at times, um, that can look like oversharing, right? Or just becoming too personable, sharing too much, connecting too hard and it's, it's too fast. It's too early and it's in inappropriate settings. Like maybe it's personal rants of social media, or maybe you're just like kind of just showing up and sharing way too much way too early with someone. And people are kind of like, yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit weird. It makes, makes someone uncomfortable. And actually you think that you're connecting deeply with someone more out of the sense that you just, you kind of want to have this sense of merging, but for people who are kind of in the the healthy range, that actually doesn't feel very good to them. It kind of like makes their, their nervous system kind of go a little bit on alert, and they become a bit more guarded and a bit more shut down. It gives them kind of an, an ick sensation. So people definitely notice that.
0: Oh, yeah. So I'm just going to say that the, the red flags that we're going to discuss here are, are not necessarily relationship red flags, but right. But everyday red flags you might see in, in people. Of, 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 bound, of boundary people, of boundary pushing.
1: Like personal ransom attacks on social media, um, not having a, a filter regard to who, you know, sort of gets the story of, of drama, um, oversharing of personal details with new people in hopes of like hurrying a relationship along, um, dominating and having one-sided conversations is a big red flag. Um, and then also like, you know, how, like, just expecting, like, emotional therapy from friends and family, right? Like, just calling someone randomly and expecting all kinds of support. This can also be, a, unbeknownst to a very codependent person, this can be a boundary violation.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the, a couple of these things are, I consider, like, dumping. Um yeah. And, you know, expecting on-call emotional therapy, just calling someone up, not understanding what might be going on in their day,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and just not asking permission, uh, and just kind of unloading. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you discuss one-sided conversations in a way that's just dumping, in a lot of ways, the person's just talking at you as if you we're not even part of the conversation. You didn't even have to be there. could have been the wall because you're not part of that conversation. Uh, sharing personal details with new people um, that you, you, in hopes of hurrying a friendship along, we hear that a lot in these, uh, the, how these toxic relationships can begin where it's shared trauma and, and, it's you know I'm gonna it's very victim playing I, it's gonna be victimhood kind of stuff right there and that's a lot of ways relationship starts where the victim is being played they're they're sharing way too much early on to get you on their side uh, when it comes to you know sometimes in the same vein it, they might share someone else's information as well that's not theirs they're overstepping someone else's boundary. In the sense of they're not being a good friend, that person doesn't know that and and a boundary is being stepped over right there because they want in the good graces of somebody else. And uh, like so those are just kind of some of the things that. Uh, a boundary, red flags, you can be like, okay, that's overstepping someone's boundary. And to maybe look at things in the sense of uh, of that in, uh, going forward in the future. I think if you have that in your mind, that that is a way to uh, look at things as far as your relationships at the beginning, how they're going. And obviously, I think one of the things we discussed in the show before, which always pops in my head, is a boundary is... Uh, if someone's asking you to, do, obviously asking you to do something, like as innocent as, hey, have another drink. Uh, and you're like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they just keep on doing it. Come on, have a drink with us, have a drink with us, have a drink with us. That's a boundary. And then you have the drink. Uh, you know, the little things like that. These are all little red flags. Obviously, we know that there are the bigger red flags of boundaries being stepped over. But these are the little ones that maybe you can look at at the beginning that might not be big because the big ones might not happen yet, but here's these little ones. And then maybe you do some of these yourself and not realize that you're doing them uh, at all. Uh, But something for yourself to even kind of look into because, you know, some people are gossipers. Some of us are guilty of being gossipers. It's something you might not like about yourself and things like that. And it might be one of the qualities that you're not a fan of, and you want to fix. So there's these little kind of things right there where like, I got to rein myself in here as
1: well. Yeah. And like, I guess, you know, everybody is guilty of this from some time to another, like, don't be overly hard on yourself if you're noticing, but I would also just say like, it's important to notice. And then I don't know, Brandon, if we've ever talked about the the drama triangle, but I bring this into my practice a lot. And that's, like, sort of just, like, this inverted triangle that's, like, a map of, like, if you're in one of these roles, it it means you've gone into, like, the toxic territory. And that map looks like taking the role of persecutor, rescuer, or victim. And so if someone takes one of those roles in a conversation, it's a bid to pull you in and have you embody another one of those roles. And if you don't do it, then there's more punishing behavior and everybody just kind of goes around and around the triangle. So um, victims usually want some rescuer energy. If you refuse to do the rescuer energy, then they might move into persecutor and then actually you do absolutely become victim. So this is how we can get, we're not good with our boundaries or someone else is not good with their boundaries. We can kind of get sucked into this toxic little toxic cycle. That's how, how it starts.
0: And when it came, comes to toxic cycles, when it comes to boundaries, right there, we defined more universal boundaries. But boundaries can be different for everybody. What triggers me might not trigger you. What I value, you might not value, and you have your own set of values. So everyone can have their own set of boundaries and everyone has the rights to set what those boundaries are and their own values as well. So for you, what are yours?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for asking. (laughs) Well, I
0: want to trample all over them. So let me know what they are first
1: yeah um, so big one, just in my personal relationships, I think time is a is a big one. I really uh I have a busy schedule, and also I'm the kind of person that if I make time for you, it I don't have a lot of people in my life. I'm really introverted. So that time that I've set for someone i'm I'm like really pretty curt if it's not respected. And if it happens once that's fine, but if it's like a pattern, that's just a huge trigger for me. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, I'll just, I'll, I'll just shut, I'll shut things down. And I've gotten a lot better about um, embodying that boundary. And, you know, I've had pushback from some of my very dear friends who, who kind of didn't know that they were violating that boundary. Like they don't have the same relationship to valuing time in that same way. And I totally get that. And then when I made them aware of it, it was kind of like, Can be a little bit of pushback, right? Especially if they're not used to having any boundaries at all. (laughs) But this is actually a really good sign.
0: Are we twins?
1: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I always thought we were twins,
0: (laughs) Well, everyone is allowed to set their own boundaries. And I don't know if anyone remembers an episode with, I think it was with Aurora, which was around September. August, September, 2021. And at the end of her episode, she was in therapy or couples therapy with her partner. And she wrote, I think it was her basic rights. So I encourage everyone to go listen to that, but also to create your own basic rights, your own list of basic rights. And I'd love for people to send that in to me. So one day I can read everyone's basic rights. If everyone wants to do that, that would be an interesting episode of, or, or, or at least to, to, to do a little bit here or there at the end of an episode.
1: Yeah, that'd be fascinating.
0: Uh, so other ways to, you know, define your boundaries or, or kind of set your boundaries. We have uh, following your gut or feeling your body and your intuition. Talk about that.
1: Oh, I love that. That's like what all my work is about. So it's just about like trusting our instincts because actually our our instincts can help us determine when someone's violating boundaries, or maybe that you need to have a boundary there. And that a lot of times it looks like, you know, basically we just have sort of a, a shutdown of our energy, or maybe we're going into like a hypo arousal state. So like fight or flight. And if you're noticing that there's some kind of situation or some kind of uh, little conflict that you're not addressing and you're going into like a hypo arousal or a, or a hyper arousal state then that's a really good indication that you need to check in with your boundaries for a little bit of self protection and when we're talking about hypo arousal versus hyper arousal that's like paying attention to our hi- our heart rate which could be Speeding up or slowing down, sweating, tightness in the chest, the stomach, some tension somewhere in the body, or, or like just like a total lack of energy and a shutdown and getting really, you know, sort of disengaged and drowsy, maybe even falling into like a little bit of a lethargic kind of, uh, kind of state.
0: And another way of creating a boundary system for yourself is figuring out your values, which which is a bit different from your basic right and your values are like your moral philosophy of who you are and even this show has its own set of values which when I did the branding for this show many moons ago I was told pick your values pick 3 to 5 And never stray from those values. And I always felt, well, that's what a person should do as well. And if something doesn't fit your values, and you can have 10 values, you can have a lot of different values, but if something doesn't fit your values list, I was always told, throw it away. If that idea you have doesn't fit your values, throw it away. You want to do a show about X, Y, Z, does it fit your thing? Nope. Throw it away. And it was an easier way to do that. Do sometimes I fall into a trap of not thinking I forgot what my values were? Occasionally, but hopefully someone reminds me and says, hey, that doesn't fit with your values. Just throw it away. And you can do this as a human being, as a person. So when you're in a relationship, or or you're a toxic person is coming towards you, is what go, is what is happening here fitting your values? No, see you later. The way I'm living myself, are these the values that I want to live by? And you really that takes work. You know, it's part of the work that we do, and a lot of people don't do it until after. Uh, an event, mostly a toxic relationship in the aftermath where you really start to examine these things or a big life event. But if if we're going to do the work after, to, you know, the list doesn't always apply just to the relationships that you're getting into, but it also applies to yourself and how you want to live and being an authentic person.
1: I think that definitely nails it. I really think boundaries are very much linked to our intrinsic values and I think I touched a little bit of, on that in the beginning when we were talking about boundaries versus preferences and sort of how to tell the difference, right? Like preferences aren't necessarily really tied to your values, but boundaries certainly are, and it's not really negotiable. And then this also goes towards other people in a very interesting way because we actually cannot expect other people to, sh- to have the same values as us. And we can be violating their boundaries if we are kind of uh, insisting that they adapt to our value system, right? So that's another important thing to keep in mind.
0: So how is someone supposed to create and maintain good boundaries?
1: We need to learn how to say no, and we need to learn how to actually feel like saying no is a form of self-love and it's a way that we're actually caring for ourselves it can be so difficult to say no because we're feeling like we're letting someone down um we're disappointing someone or we're actually fearing that maybe they're going to retract and maybe maybe we have some fear that we will be abandoned and of course if we're with a if this is a toxic situation with a maybe a narcissistic person we're going to fear some kind of narcissistic retaliation, right. Around saying no or having a boundary, but it's really important to kind of get to that place where we understand that saying no, isn't necessarily like overly assertive. It's just basically showing up for ourselves. Right.
0: And a big thing these days in the 21st century is A boundary about most likely your phone or your computer. And and that in itself has become its own world, its own safeguarded space. Because obviously we have physical boundaries, we have emotional space boundaries. But your phone, for most people, has become your life. Yeah. Everything is on there, your passwords. Most some some for some people, I'm about to say most likely, but for some people, your passwords are on there. Uh, all of your conversations are on there. It's a way to it's a way to reach you. It's a way to bother you. It's a way to track. It's a way to track you. It's quite a weapon. It really is a ticking time bomb of so many different ways of someone that can cross your boundaries while they are there and while they are not even there. So how do you, I guess, set a boundary when it comes to a physical thing like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to make rules for yourself. Like I remember from my own toxic relationship experience that I could get really hooked into like hours and maybe day long text message battles, right? Like I could actually get hooked into going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, texting, not being present at work, like not being present with my friends and roommates, uh, just being totally hijacked by, by that. And I, you know, I needed to actually develop the skills to be like, I'm not going to have difficult conversations by text message and that was just a boundary that I had to put in place in order to protect myself. But you know, there's there's other rules that that we can that we can kind of use, you know. Um
0: the do not disturb feature on the phone. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, because you know, everyone yeah. is allowed, or, or you're entitled to all the peaceful time that you want to not even hear the phone ring. And early on in toxic relationships, I hear so many times that someone is just scared if you got home, or they are concerned for your safety. They want to know your like, that you're okay, and they, you know they're using that as a manipulation tactic which then starts to be a real boundary uh, issue because it starts off as an innocent thing and you see it possibly as uh, a form of caring but that form of caring eventually becomes a way for them to break a boundary where you don't even see that the boundary is even being broken and all of a sudden you're being tracked and you're checking in and then you're doing the job for the person because you know to tell them where you are at all times even before they ask. And your boundary was so broken that now you're breaking the boundary. You're reaching over and onto their side instead of uh, leaving uh, the line in between your homes. There's no line anymore. You're reaching over to them. And so that's a way that that device is is used to manipulate you into having your boundaries broken which is a really big problem for a lot of people because they don't even realize that the boundary has been broken in the first place
1: yeah absolutely i think like you know it's good to just if if you're concerned about any of this or you want to like kind of start creating a practice for this you can you can make boundaries around things that are like less charged like Like, uh, you know, making sure that you don't look at or respond to work emails when you're not supposed to be at work or, you know, out of office responder on email accounts when on vacation, Um, making sure, like, your apps are not uh, giving you notifications while you're supposed to be doing your work, Um, maybe setting aside time where you know, you're going to devote this time to yourself and you're actually not going to let anyone try to uh, schedule like a a coffee date with you or something like that. And and then really sticking to it. These are kind of like sort of, you know, less charged ways of starting to create this kind of boundary making practice for yourself. And then also, you know, like for me on a personal level, I have to say one way that I worked with my own boundaries was to notice any of this persecutor victim or rescuing energy within my own self or maybe with within a person that I was interacting with and if I notice any of that just immediately disengage and go back to like my adult self right and this was this is kind of like to me that's kind of a I I wouldn't want to say maybe a hack, but it it is something like sort of more subtle, but it actually is like a bypass. I don't have to worry so much about like all these little details and rules and categories of like how to act. If I'm noticing certain energies and I'm like, you know what? I just don't engage with that. Any of those roles, any of those energies, like go back to sort of just being in my adult self.
0: So, you know, as an adult, you possibly grew up not having the ability to set and maintain good boundaries. So what are some ways that people can do this that might even start off being kind of small things? Because, you know, when you're building a foundation to a home, you're starting off with the basics and it might not seem like a good thing, like a big, big thing that's happening, but that foundation really lays the ground for you being able to build a house on top of everything. So what are some of the uh, ways for you to set and maintain boundaries?
1: You want to take some time to reflect on your core values, re- reflect on what's important to you, what is non-negotiable, right? And And parse that out from what's maybe negotiable. You can put it into the two categories of like, that's your boundary versus that's your preference. So things that you're sort of willing to be flexible on is going to go over to preferences. And then the things that it's like, actually, I'm going to be super disrupted and dysregulated when that's not respected. That's where, you know, your zone of boundary really is. So you know, we want to take some time to actually investigate that. And I think that doing some coaching or doing some therapy around that is always a good idea, obviously. And uh, another practice that you can do is journaling, or you can just kind of like bring that into your mindfulness practice and just kind of get reflective on that. It's worth the exercise for sure. So we want to spend more time befriending ourselves essentially and this can start really small like i said with with just little things you know pick things to kind of set limits on that feel good and aren't too hard or too trigger triggering to enact like that 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 rule around not accepting work emails for instance or being like i have non-negotiable one hour of exercise or one hour of contemplation for myself a day and and nobody else He's allowed to schedule time with me on that day. Those are really good kind of like micro boundary exercises to start with. And then you can build upon that. So I would say go slow and take it at your own pace. It's important to be gentle with yourself while you're doing the kind of work. Otherwise, it can get really overwhelming for you and it can just start to feel really impossible and you can kind of just sort of, you know, spiral off into some kind of shame that's just not going to be productive for you. And it's not going to actually help you to live in your boundaries. And then, you know, you can also do like an inventory of how that's going in all of your relationships. So it's always a good idea when we're starting new relationships to kind of show up for those boundaries right away and set up the expectations. We don't have to be aggressive about this at all. We can just simply sort of live these out, trust our sense of saying no, trust our sense of saying yes. And it creates a really good foundation for relationships. In existing relationships, when you kind of start to exercise this, expect a little bit of pushback. And actually, that pushback is a really good sign. So don't be discouraged when you feel it. There will be a little bit of discomfort, most likely, if you're if you're improving in this area.
0: And ones that I have down on my list are to be consistent. And to me, mm. that means... Just like someone who has to continuously do the work every day, if you're an alcoholic or you have a drug addiction, we have a problem ourselves. We're not good at boundaries. We have a boundary, a, a, a people-pleasing addiction. So we have to be consistent in putting our boundaries out there because if we start to let them slide, just, just like if a, if an alcoholic takes one drink, that can lead to problems. So, you, just you have to go to your meetings all the time. When you're an alcoholic, you have to have your consistent boundaries all the time because that can lead you back to losing them completely. Uh, other one on here, you kind of just mentioned it a little, which was you know someone kind of trampling on your boundaries or, or pushing. In that sense. So, communication is a really big uh, part here because, with boundaries, if someone is consistently overstepping your boundaries, you need to communicate to this person in a non confrontational way. And I think this is an interesting thing, especially dealing with a toxic person. Because a toxic person might get their wound hit. So, and then that might cause a bigger problem, a rage might come. So, to use, I guess, I'd like to say uh, Bill Eddy's like Biff system in a way, which is brief, informative, friendly, and firm as far as your communication style. Or to learn like uh, Doctor Marshall Rosenberg's a nonviolent communication style, which is really uh, oh yeah. If you've ever read his books, are the fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to have a CD in my car. I loved his voice and his stories. So, uh, you know, communicating that, and then if the person is still even after you communicated that, if that person is still doing what they're doing, boom, you're gone. You mm-hmm. know, that that could be part of your. Uh, one of your values lists right there. Recognizing the boundaries of others. So your job is not to just recognize your own boundaries, but to also appreciate the values and the boundaries of other people. And and by doing so, that can create a healthy relationship.
1: I also have to say, and I was thinking about this earlier, I think like there's a a red flag with ourselves that we might be able to recognize. Like if we are triggered by someone having healthy, balanced boundaries, that's actually an indication that we need to do some work around our own. Because when we don't have a good relationship to our boundaries, someone else having boundaries, like we can receive that as a bit triggering, or we might think like that's a bit, you know, rude or something like that. And I've seen that. Um, I've experienced that a little bit when I wasn't so healthy with myself, feeling a little bit hurt by someone having a boundary. And so we know that we're doing good work when other people having boundaries is kind of like, yeah, great. Actually, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel safer with you. And, and, and I feel like I can show up authentically as well.
0: And as far as showing up authentically, I think we should leave it on this last note of a way to set boundaries for yourself. I don't know how many we've gone through, but a big one is you have to be your biggest champion and you have to show yourself a lot of love and caring. And if you don't think you're worth anything, if your self worth is negative 100, and you don't think that you are deserving of love or deserving of a lot of things, your boundaries might not be in the place they need to be because of the way you are valu- valuing yourself. So, doing a lot of work on yourself and becoming your own best friend, becoming the person you love most is so important because that's the person you should be loving most, you, yourself. And if you love yourself and then create this self-everything, self-worth, self-respect, self-confidence, self-acceptance, then creating boundaries for yourself becomes that much easier because you're putting yourself first. And when you put yourself first, and not in a narcissistic way, everybody, Not in a narcissistic way, but you're putting yourself first because you who do you hang out with the most yourself and it's up to you more than anyone else to protect yourself in every way you can and it all starts with you. So if you want to maintain your boundaries and be able to set boundaries in the in in the first place and, and keep them going then doing the work your own work on loving yourself and being your authentic self is the most important thing I think you can do. So Elizabeth, do you have anything to add about my whole self-love tangent right there?
1: Yeah. And I guess I would just add that, you know, it's important to remember that healing is not a linear process necessarily and don't put too much undue pressure on yourself
0: you know, I went on a little bit of a rant there about self-love and what you said right there is also really important that, you know, I'm saying that these are, you know, the things to do to maintain everything. And with my little rant at center, like I might've been saying, you have to do this, but you know, healing is not linear. Uh, all these things you might slip up you might go six steps forward five steps steps back six steps seven steps back but the most important thing is that we keep on trying and exactly. so 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 thank you for for pointing that out and elizabeth barre i just want to thank you again for being here And people can reach you at relational-somatics.com. And a big thank you once again for being here with us today and sharing all your knowledge. All of your information will be in our show notes as well. And for those of you that want to be a guest on our Survivor Story show, that version of our podcast, please go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says guest form. You click on that button and then it'll take you to our guest form page. You can read all of our instructions, send us a message through our guest form or email us at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Also at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a button that says support group that takes you to our very own safe social network. And at that social network, we have uh, Zoom meetings, integrated Zoom meetings every Wednesday and Saturday night, every other Thursday as well. And that one is during the day. We have forum boards there. We have episodes that never made it to air. We have ad-free episodes and just a great group of people. So if you want some support, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, press that support group button, and we will see you there. And if you need even more support, please do go to our friends at DomesticShelters.org. And At DomesticShelters.org, they have an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing, and they can connect you with local resources like shelters so you can find ways to heal and move forward. So please do go to DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource today. And again, thank you to Elizabeth Barre. And from Elizabeth and myself, we hope you have a good night.